This is Quarantine Chronicles episode 19. It is February 7th, 2021. To my virtual left, Jason. Hello. To my virtual right, Angel. Thup. And I'm Kevin, and I've got a fucking problem. Okay. Coming so, in hot. Last, last RN, ho- post Uh-oh. RN, post RN, we were talking about chairs. And I can't, for the life of me, find a good office chair. Like, like just one that, that fits my needs. Now, I know there are tons of chairs on Amazon, but literally not a single one that I would actually buy because every chingle, every chingle. (laughs) (laughs) You're so angry you can't even get the words out right. (laughs) Every single chair that I find is literally what they call an ergonomic chair, and I don't want that at all. What I basically want. (laughs) You don't want your left arm to go numb from like your back being pushed forward? That, that's, just, that's just never that's just never happened to me. What I basically <laughs> want is a chair, literally in the shape of an L with legs. Like you know how you would make a, a crude chair, like drawing, mm-hmm. like a side profile. That's what I want, and I just can't for the life of me find one like that. And I know that ergonomics is like the thing right now, but I absolutely hate that chairs do that thing where they go up from what the base where you sit on. What would you call it? The base, the the seat, the, the cushion, yeah, whatever. The, the the butt location. The, base, uh, the, the butt location. location is clear what it's called. The butt location. The butt of the yeah. chair. Yeah. The, the butt, the I like feet. the butt location better. Okay. Or the seat. Oh, oh yeah, the, the seat. seat. The seat. There we go. <laughs> wow. How how the seats? <laughs> wow. How it just starts curving. It curves into your back. First of all, that's how it always starts. It curves into your back, and then it violently just goes ninety degrees towards the other side and then when i sit i have a bunch of space a bunch of air between the back seats of the chair and my back what is the why, what is the point of that why can't i just have cushion supporting my back instead of all this air what do you guys sit on um i guess right now um i don't really have like a proper chair for this for my setup in the room but it's just like a like a normal l chair it only really goes up to like the lower half of my back and it gets a job done but yeah like i want to have something that goes up all the way like um my my office chair like my spinny chair the that i have in the garage that one does go all the way up. like i this was like pre-covid when i bought it so i actually had the chance to like sit in various chairs and be like oh this one actually like goes all the way up and isn't like a pain yeah, to sit in cause, cause, yeah because i i hate like you just married like i really do hate like when you know you sit on a chair and i just want like support like up to my shoulders and neck because yeah i just feel like yes, i'm always like, exactly. leaning. I, I want to be able to lean back exactly. comfortably without leaning too far back because then it's like well, yes but exactly. yeah i was able to find exactly. that now the idea of like sitting in a bunch of chairs it seems kind of weird in the store but it was super weird couch yeah. shopping <laughs> having to sit on couches in a store back in november like right before la relocked down that was really weird because like you, you don't know and this applies to the chair thing too you don't know what you like you just know what you don't like it's like you like we were just going couch to couch like nope 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 and then i'm like wait is this one eventually gonna be nice like i don't know i'm used to the couch that's in the room i'm currently in for like 20 years this couch has existed and then it's like i'd buy a new one for this other place so i'm like i don't know and i imagine the chair thing's like the same thing like you know what feels right from your past experience but you don't know what feels right going forward if that makes any sense like even with car sure. like even with car seats like anytime i go take my car in for maintenance or whatever and they move the seat I'm always like, wait, how was it before? Because it was fine. I was fine with it. But then I start overthinking how it 
should be. And I'm like, wait, should my back be this angle? No, it shouldn't. Wait, was it this angle? Did my knee touch this thing by the key, like the ignition? I don't think it did. Did it though? Maybe. And it just makes it very difficult. My life is a horror show. Because I haven't really sat on it too many. I know my brother has one, but the one time I sat on it just out of curiosity, like there's like this little cushion towards the top. And while it does like allow my head to lean back and hit something without leaning too far back, like pretty much from like the seat to my neck, it's like I'm not leaning on anything. And I really don't like that. Well, here's, it's just here's like, the yeah, thing, though. If the, you think the, the gamer chairs share that, give you that little illusion that they're just L-shaped. No, they they are <laughs> like slight, they're slightly, slightly off center they, so that yeah you have a bunch of space in between the back and your back they also wrap in on the sides like they're trying to trap you there which is something like they're kind of like enclosed a little but honestly some of the best chairs i feel that i've ever sat on um are like some of the most simple looking ones it's like a simple looking office chair that's not very tall but the seat and the back are pretty much like a mesh of some sort and they're just positioned like high enough and are just long enough that it feels like it just kind of covers everything without, you know, being like needlessly expensive or overly like elaborate. I mean, I don't know. I feel like you mean like one that perhaps that goes up about two thirds of your back and shops and stops just below the shoulders and is or at the shoulders and is uh, somewhat see through because that's what I'm sitting on right now. Yeah, something like that. Like a Herman like, Miller when, when, chair. Yeah, because when the because when the support is high enough, sometimes it doesn't bother me that I don't have something to lean my head back on, just because it keeps my body up straight. That you know, I don't feel like I'm getting tired from leaning too forward or too back. Obviously, it's something that would go all the way to the top would be ideal. But well, I feel that, like that's, that's what's really interesting nice if you think about it. Middle ground. The the chairs. So the chair you're describing, the one I'm sort of sitting on, stops at my shoulders. Everything you guys seem to be talking about are the chairs that, like, there's a gap from where this sort of chair stops and then a headrest on top. Pretty much, yeah. So what you're asking for, basically, is a neck support, which I don't... Does that exist? No, 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 no. I am asking for a chair that... Okay, this the chair that I'm currently on. Yeah. If I sit up straight at a 90-degree angle, I feel the little the the little part where, I guess, what, your lumbar? I feel that... But then nothing between, uh, like the what, what's it called the the crack of my back or the <laughs> small of my back, the, the like small the where small. the small the small of my back starts up to my head. I have no chair. I that's it. It's just nothing but air. I need something to fill that in. Hmm. I guess you gotta get those pillows. Yeah, I know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. At this point, this is just that's literally my only option. Like putting a pillow. So that I can actually sit like at a 90 degree angle. It's so infuriating. I don't understand why they don't make these chairs. It's it's not even like I don't need Herman Miller to make me that chair. Because, you know, Herman Miller is considered the gold standard of office chairs. It's very comfortable. Right? I'm on one right now. It's very comfortable. And they will last you for like a decade. Yeah, this one's uh, literally 10 years old this year. But oh, wow, It's got tenure. You can't throw it out. I know. But um, where was I going with this? But so so of course Herman Miller isn't going to make you know a chair that is just literally an L the way that I want it to be. But like not even like cheap manufacturers on Amazon make a chair that's just literally just an L. I'm thinking I'm gonna have to build this thing. Could like, it be? Yeah, there's a market. You can literally call it like the Kevin. Like move over Herman Melville. There's not the Kevin Gomez. Just call it Herman Melville. <laughs> I like that name. Uh, Miller. Miller. <laughs> it's Miller. Herman Miller. <laughs> Herman Melville is maybe the company that will make you your L-shaped chair. 
some little company. Uh, I feel like over. that name has to be something. I don't know why it was in my head. I don't know. But, um, are, uh, Kevin, have you considered that perhaps no one makes this chair because actually a straight 90 degree is really bad for your back? He's an American novelist. I really doubt I knew this one. I have considered this fact. Okay. Oh, he wrote Movie Dick. No wonder. And he makes chairs that are L-shaped for Kevin. <laughs> I mean, no wonder I knew that name. But yeah. I have considered that fact. Mm-hmm. But it's not like I'm any more comfortable with these fucking chairs that I'm on right now. <laughs> but but are you? will you be less comfortable with a hard L is what I'm saying. I would. I don't think so. Or to because the way that I have it, like I have a chair supporting me, so that I'm like at ninety degrees, anyways. I don't think it's get a beanbag chair. Oh, there we go. Just have no back support. Just sink into beanbag. it, like it's like a sand pit. I'm just, I'm just gonna get a get an ex, like a big exercise ball that I, I sit on. Isn't that what uh, Victor does? Victor does that. Yeah, chair, he right? does. He, he does have an exercise ball. Well, he has a standing desk, so I guess just yeah. eliminate the chair altogether. Well, the thing about a standing desk is it also can be a sitting desk more often. Well, actually, I don't know if his transforms. I take that back. But, yeah, I think his is electrical. I know our other friend Eric does have an electrical standing desk that could move up and down. At my office, but... which I haven't been to in 11 months, RIP physical offices, Um, yeah, my I have a standing desk that moves up and down. It's pretty slick, not going to lie. I, I stand up like I, I once they're... a month. It's pretty great. <laughs> I, I know there's benefits to them, but honestly, like I, every time I've tried them, like I'll be okay for like the first minute, and I immediately just feel like I just want to sit down now. Like I don't. You got power through. It's like know. exercise. As someone that's now been doing five straight days of ring fit and exercising, let me tell you, you got power through it. It it it, it takes. Um... Well, as someone that has been doing multiple days of ring fit every day and Peloton, I, I still can't do it. I don't know. As someone. Who stopped at Ringfit? I think it? you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe one day. I think it just, yeah, I don't know. It, it just doesn't seem like something I would want to do. But I don't know. what are the benefits to it? I mean, standing, uh, I stand blood up, flow, circulation. Because I mean, I stand up plenty usually. Well, I guess it was never a problem when I was at the elementary school because you know, like you're pretty much standing up teaching. You're walking around checking on the students. Like when you're sitting down, it's actually kind of rare. And even at the at the studio when I first started, there was still a lot of walking around. It was kind of neat. But I guess I still check on, yeah. But we'll see. Maybe I'll try it one day when they're not too expensive. I know they're like 300 bucks or something or more. But actually, no, that's probably the low end. That's the very low end. Yeah. I'm, you can definitely thousand. get a standing desk for like 300 bucks. But the motor is probably going to be jank. I mean, the desk I have now, it's like... One of those like stereotypical like gamer desk. I really like it. It but like the whole top has like a mouse pad on it, and I could manually make it a standing desk. But yeah, I'm not gonna do that because that's gonna be like a two man thing. But um, yeah, uh-huh. right. Theoretically, in this day and age, isn't every flat surface a mouse pad? It has that felt feeling. Okay, so it's like I mean, it's a literal mouse. Pad. It's a literal giant mouse. But I mean, pad. like, do mice need mice pad mouse pads anymore? Yes, absolutely. Especially if you're yeah, playing, you don't want to do games. I don't know as a Nintendo yeah, owner. I mean, on so. like a on surface. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. On top of on top of just like not wanting to damage certain things, like a lot of like hard surface, I don't want to damage to death. I want to be able like it's just nice knowing that anything I put down, like, it's not going to get scratched or anything in any way. Gotcha. It also just has a nice feel to it, just being nice and soft. I don't think I've ever felt as much like an adult. I literally have a mouse pad on top of this table as well. It's like a giant Godzilla oh, one that my brother gave me for Christmas. I was about to say but, that's um, excessive, it, but Godzilla makes it cool, so it's okay. Yeah, it, it gives it some flair instead of just the giant red A that's there, which could be for Angel, but I think it's for Arizona or something. 
but I uh, don't think we've ever had a conversation or recorded a conversation on the podcast that made me feel so much like just a boring adult as chairs, desks, and blood circulation. <laughs> so congrats, guys. <laughs> We're professionals, so we, we need all these things. We need good chairs, we need uh, a good table, and we need... Good blood. What, I mean, what else were we talking about? <laughs> so, blood flow. Because <laughs> we got to be able to be alive I mean, honestly, and energized like, for these for when we talk sales numbers. This is something a lot of people don't consider. Like, I mean, if you want to be like, you know, get into streaming, animating, or a lot of these things that just require you to be on a, you know, on a screen for long periods of time. It's not just about getting the RTX 3090 or like the highest spec screen or anything. Like, you have to also consider that you're going to be, you know, looking at these things and sitting down or standing up for. Many, 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 many hours. So, if anything, the earlier you start thinking about these things, the better, because then you could invest on something that would last you a long time that you won't regret. I mean, really, you shouldn't even do a college fund for your kids. You should get a get a chair fund set up to make sure that they have the proper lumbar support as they make their way through Zoom school on their iPads and Chromebooks. I agree. Hmm. I wonder what the most expensive chair I could find is that isn't expensive because of the luxury aspect to it, but more because like all oh, this like has all necessary features and it just happens to cost us well that's the thing though is like for chairs i think luxury like, is know. all the features like there's not like a well because you know i'm sure you could easily find a really like a pretty bad chair that is just like has a bunch of diamond studs on it <laughs> yeah maybe you might be right i'm literally just gonna type chair on amazon and sort by price high to low and just see what i get i'm just gonna end up buying a replica throne from game of thrones to sit on <laughs> what that, that the heck like is a, this that, thing that thing just <laughs> is, looks like an l it it, it is i, I sat on it at comic con a few years ago it's a pretty solid l perfect holy moly yeah for some of my problems so <laughs> so the most expensive chair in amazon is thirty nine thousand eight hundred and twenty nine dollars and seventy two cents what exactly is it it looks like a battle station it's mm, it's kind of crazy. Oh, it's under the category. Well, I mean, there's have you? It's, li- it's literally like it's like the gamer chair that we were complaining about earlier, except it also has like I guess you're supposed to be laying down on it. It has like complete oh my god, this thing's support. insane. It has a built. I mean, yeah, it looks like you could play like some simulators in for it. For the viewers at home, you know those arcade units, it, or the viewers, the listeners at home, <laughs> they, they can't view it. They can only listen. Uh, you know those arcade units at like. You know, our kids in the 90s or maybe now Dave and Buster's where, like, the screen is attached to the chair you're in so the whole thing rocks with you like the fake – like, oh, I'm on a roller coaster and you're, like, sitting in a chair and it moves around and the screen moves with you because it's attached to the top. It's that but it's for your home and it looks about twice as bulky. That's what we're looking at right now. Yeah, yeah. that thing just looks impractical. Yeah. I don't even know where you the would next put that. Expens- <laughs> the next most expensive chair that doesn't have that is just – an office chair for fifteen grand, but it looks like it's leather boss chair. Oh, it's a massager as well. Oh. Mm. Oh, that would be luxury. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you guys not? Yeah, well, how do you guys feel about massage chairs? I always feel like, like I, I remember when Sharper Image or Brookstone was around. I'd like pop in as a kid or when, whatever and be like, "Oh, a massage chair," and I'd sound and be like, "This is it." Like I never got it. Like the appeal. Am I crazy? It just seems like it's hitting no, you. No, I, I never <laughs> use. I, I've never used them either. Yeah, me neither. But. I don't know if they would get the job done as well as a regular massage. If there's anyone out I, there, I think they're just they're just a fun novelty for kids to like. But it's not for kids. That's the thing. Like, I mean, actually, maybe it is for kids because Brookstone and Sharper Image are now both out of business, so maybe no one bought the chairs and kids just sound them in the store. But um, if anyone out there uses a massage chair, please enlighten us on why. Tweet us at Random Nintendo and tell us why you like massage chairs because I don't get it honestly. Like, I get massages, 
I get the concept. But the chair just feels like it's like I get chairs. I get chairs. But both of them together. <laughs> it loses me somewhere in the middle there. Yeah. And the the last chair I bothered to check out is one that doesn't have any kind of crazy like massaging or anything feature. It's still ten grand, and it kind of looks like what I described as it just being like a mesh chair. Yeah. Like there isn't much to the back, and it has like something for the top, the back, and the bottom, and I guess it comes with a footrest. Uh, but look, it, curve, it curves at like a forty degree angle. I hate that. Not, not so just yeah. not just that, but so, its number one bullet point, its selling point, isn't any feature of the chair. It's your satisfaction <laughs> is the driving force for our progress. What does that mean in terms of how this chair functions okay, as a I'm, chair? I'm done, with this. I'm done. I'm over it. <laughs> it makes no sense. Chair manufacturers need to get a grip. Um. <laughs> All right. Lumbar support, everyone. Sign for the Lumbar bi-weekly support. SoCal COVID update. You know, I was going to do a harmonized jingle that was going to pre-record, and I didn't have my microphone. So pretend there's three of me at three different pitches as I go, COVID. Okay? Just pretend that was three of them. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. It's it's ruined my ears. Uh, so <laughs> since the last episode, SoCal is uh, no longer in full lockdown. I don't think... The is it the just the entire state of mm. California? Uh, so as well? California lifted the stay-at-home order that they had in place since uh, sometime in December or, or November. Uh, it's it's at December, a state yeah. level, but individual counties and states can still be stricter if they want. But due to political pressure, even the cities like LA loosened up because uh, basically states like yeah we're fine, and then LA was like I guess we are too, and like two days later. Did their thing, but what what's annoying to to me is I understand there's economic forces and whatnot at play, but L.A. and California shut down using a very specific model. I think it was L.A. in particular of you have to have X number of cases, X number of, of ICU beds available, and you know X number of uh, I don't think deaths was factored in, so cases and beds available. They said when they shut down, all right, forty five hundred cases average per day. We need to shut down. ICU beds dipping below, I think, 15%. We need to shut down. They're now saying, well, we're at like 8,000 cases per day, but it's trending downward. And if our projections hold in a month, the ICU beds will be available at the threshold they need to be. So we're going to go ahead and open back up now, which just like doesn't yep. make sense. I mean, it, make it's, it's, a, it's definitely some sort of political forces on it, but like, uh, <laughs> that's my takeaway. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so now that we no longer have the stay at home order, basically that means restaurants, salons, gyms, and, you know, the, those sort of places are now allowed to be open to the public. Granted, everything or mostly everything has to stay outdoors, mm-hmm. but places are still allowed to be open. Uh, that being said, it looks like that stronger UK strain has made it to the US and is going to hit Southern California pretty, pretty hard. It's, uh, yeah, it's already here. Uh, according to, there's also according a to some harder metrics. one from South Africa. That's here, too. Oh, great. I don't know if it's here in L.A., but awesome. it's here in, in the U.S. Can't wait. Mm-hmm. Fun times. Uh, yeah, just be careful out there, folks. CVSs are going to start uh, distributing vaccines next week, apparently. Mm-hmm. That's cool. There's a, a, a lot more yep. CVSs than Disneyland's. Yeah. Uh, am I missing anything, Jason? I think those are the biggies. Um, the Johnson Johnson wait, vaccine is for, in a three-week Is it still tier one? At, at, what? Is it still tier one for those CVSs, uh, so or is it just like sixty-five and older for now, or healthcare worker? And I believe they're going to drop it down to sixty or fifty-five sometime in the next few weeks, and it's sort of roll it from there. That's so cool. I mean, more distribution centers is always great. So 
I mean, there is something to be said, though. Like, if you're stuck in a pandemic that has completely shut down the world for a year, like, I feel like you need the grand finale to be a trip to a fun location like Dodger Stadium that's been converted into an ocean of cones where you have to weave through these cones and go to these tents and have this weird dystopian, like, to go vaccinate you in your car. Like, it feels like obviously this any way to get a vaccine is good but it just feels like you, you should be rewarded for this past year by having to live out like a weird hunger game scenario of in this weird like i'm at a baseball stand but i'm getting vaccinated in mass at this tent and like i don't know it just feels like you got to see it through all the way so yeah it'll be available at normal places but like there is some weird like outing feeling of like oh go to dodger stadium or like, go to the forum go places where you shouldn't get a shot but you can get a shot if you have the time and the patience honestly get wherever you can but it just feels like the payoff of all this should be bizarro land vaccination you know what i mean right (laughs) so so you know make make an event of it make a like it's like going to disneyland except i mean literally it's like going to disneyland it's at disneyland so yeah yeah Uh, Yeah, all right cool cool cool. (laughs) let's get into it angel we had a category last week that we had to skip over because of time restraints yep yeah uh and i don't think anybody was gonna guess your show i think somebody put it put it out there like oh try to guess what angel's talking about i don't think anybody's gonna get this so talk to us about your show yeah so the show i'm talking about is sonic boom and i love the show say what you will about the game and honestly i really recommend looking into the making of the game um there's a great video i think it's by it's a series of videos called like what happened i think it's like literally whu happened without the d and they did a bunch of research. They looked into the development of the game. And it's crazy how, I think it's Red Button. I forgot the name of the people yeah, that Red developed Button. it. Yeah, Red, Red Button Entertainment. But essentially, like, you know, Sega Japan wanted to make a westernized Sonic game. And this team, like, had an idea and a big scope for it. And it wasn't even going to be on a Nintendo console. It was, like, meant for, like, PC and Switch. And it was running on... I forget what it was. I think it was, it was like Unreal or something like that. Actually, no, I don't think it was Unreal. It was I forgot what it was, but it was like a different engine. Everything was looking great, but then Sega started like forcing a bunch of changes on them. Like like sometimes like literally last minute. Like first it was like, all right, well, we can't have you do this. We can't have you do that. They had to like scrap a bunch of things. Story had to be changed. But probably like the biggest blow was that already like I want to say like close to like midway to development, they're like, all right, this is going to be a Wii U exclusive. And the engine they were making it on isn't compatible with the Wii U whatsoever. Hmm. So a lot of things had to be, like, trimmed down. You know, like they pretty much had to, like, cut, cut, cut. And some things obviously weren't working because things that were running well on the other engine either didn't work well at all or they had to somehow, like, tweak it to change it. And, you know, we kind of got what we got. And it just really sucks because, like, it sounds like even if it wouldn't have been, you know, like, even if it would have ended up being like a Star Fox Adventures kind of situation where people are like, oh, this isn't like a real Sonic game. It probably could have still been a fun game in its own right. But yeah, I mean, well, that's this kind of what happened with the game. constantly Sega's downfall, I swear. Like, you know, watching those video game documentaries last fall, because I don't know much about Sega's uh-huh. history like I do Nintendo's, but watching the ones on Netflix and uh, CBS All Access, like one of the things they kept emphasizing was Sega was very hands-off with uh the initial sega of america stuff like the genesis and then they started to be like actually you should probably do this and start to like from afar sort of meddle in what was working and then they slowly kind of broke it like that's how sega ended up like dying in the console industry it was just like the japanese office like no 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 no. we need to regain control here we want this after initially being like you do your thing and it's like Boom's case it sounds like it happened all within the same dev cycle versus you know across multiple 
releases or generations, but still, like, why do they keep doing that? You'd think they'd learn. And it's my understanding that while the this was supposed to be its own, like, ongoing, like, Sonic franchise, like, there was supposed to be a Japanese-developed Sonic games that would go on as normal by the Sonic team, and then there was supposed to be these that would go on, like, pretty much two game series of Sonic. So you had, like, two flavors of it. So, you know, it was, like, more reason for them to be, like, let, like more hands-off. Yeah. I mean, look what happened with Sonic Mania. Like, it took another developer completely to make a Sonic game that people really, really liked. Yeah, I mean, but that's beside the point. I mean, essentially, it made, you know, it's really unfortunate what happened with the game. Is that why they gave him a, a scarf? Really... So that you could be like, oh, it's Sonic Boom Sonic versus other Sonics. They could have the, like, parallel franchises. <laughs> Apparently, the Sonic Boom... The the funny thing is that the Sonic Boom part of it, I guess that's something else that's interesting that I should bring up, is that later into the development, this part I guess was less intrusive than other reworks they had to do, but um they had also partnered with like oh we want this I think it was a I forget it was Canadian or European country um, animation studio to work on this westernized Sonic show, and they were like hey um studio working on the Western Sonic game just make your game. Sonic Boom, because I think it was originally supposed to be like a Sonic origin story, because, mm. you know, they're revamping a Western Sonic, but all of a sudden they're like, okay, I guess we're Sonic Boom now, and we have to incorporate all these other things from that show. But, yeah, which, you know, leads us to the show, which at first, you know, like, because of the notoriety of the game, it was kind of like, oh man, the show is probably going to be terrible as well, but it is, it's a really good show. I think it's a show that if you were a big fan of Sonic, or ever were a fan of Sonic, or even just are well aware of the history of Sonic, I think you will find a lot to love about it. Um, it's a CG show, and it has a small budget, but I think it works in its favor like tremendously. And you could really tell that the writers are just having like the time of their lives with the show. Like They're just writing whatever they want. I don't even know how much of it is getting like cleared by the higher rest. I mean, it's still like a kid's show, but it's a kid's show that knows its main audience is probably like in their late 20s, or early 30s. But, um, yeah, because the show, like, first and foremost, is extremely meta. Like, it almost barely has anything to do with the actual Sonic Boom game that it's named from. Um, if anything, like, you know, they have um, your core cast of characters. You have your Knuckles, Sonic, Tails, Amy, and Eggman. And I guess the two mainstay robots that came out in Sonic Colors, I believe, and just kind of stayed with Eggman, Q-Bot, and Orbot. Um, they're, like, the comic relief, but everyone in the show is kind of comic relief. But... Yeah, for the most part, the personalities stay the same, as you remember them. Sonic is cocky, Tails is, you know, the smart guy. Amy, they definitely toned down her obsession with Sonic. It's still kind of there, but not really. She's definitely more her own thing. There is a new character named Sticks the Badger, who's just kind of like a, a paranoid conspiracy theorist obsessive, but she's not as annoying as you thought she would be. I don't know. She, she could be a fun character sometimes. Knuckles, though, kind of had the biggest change. He was already known for being... I guess gullible. That's kind of like, I guess, I feel like was his only personality trait. Besides just being strong, it was like, oh, he's gullible. He's always tricked by Eggman. And this one, they made um really dumb. Like, literally. A like, knucklehead, think... if you would, if you will. They, <laughs> yeah, basically, they took that to heart. I honestly think he's probably the... huge. Oh, yeah, he's super. Oh, yeah. Awesome. He, he, he was, I think, they... wasn't he like the most radical redesign? Um, yeah, I, I mean, everyone got a lot taller, but yeah, cast. Knuckles, yeah, Knuckles got like much buffer and much taller. And they also acknowledge that in the show, like, plenty of times. They acknowledge like the fact people don't like the designs or their other past things or even just like gaming culture and re rebranding and that kind of stuff. But I think in this show, Knuckles may be 
probably one of the dumbest animated cartoon characters I've ever seen. Or How, how's he compare as someone who's catching up with uh, The Good Place, finally? On a scale of like, probably is he like Jason? Probably as Patrick, if not worse. Oh, as I say, is he oh, like Jason he's, he's on Good Place? Probably dumber. What? Okay. Like, <laughs> like, like the kind of like dumb where like a joke may be that he forgot to breathe. Ah. Like on that level. Yeah, that, that is, that's more Patrick. Yeah. Yeah, like, Patrick, you know, he has, he has confused. some, <laughs> I mean, he, he, he has some moments and I mean, even towards the end, because of how they play him, like he has like this very, um, he makes a statement about like, feminism and gender role and gender norms towards the end that just like catches everyone off guard and they're just like wait what like knuckles but yeah it's just one of those things you have to see but i would say like think of the show as kind of like teen titans go just with like a lot more restraint um and because of the fact that you have you know the writers just kind of going nuts with it um and also because of limited budget they only have like i'm pretty sure there's only like eight to nine different character models that they're working with and there's maybe like I don't know, like six different environments they're ever at, and they all they, I mean, they even point that stuff out. But you know, like they literally have to pull these plots like out of no, there's like no ongoing story. There's no continuity. You could literally watch one independent of another. There's literally an episode where Sonic and the gang they're just trying to build some furniture that's made of that was bought from like a store that's clearly supposed to be IKEA, and they're just kind of struggling with it. And, so they made you know, a sitcom, having a bad time of it. A traditional it's, multicam it's, it's, sitcom without a laugh track. Yeah, it's, it's literally a sitcom. Like there's even an episode where like Eggman. No, everyone's on this new like you know this new social network that everyone's super jazzed about. Eggman gets rejected by Sonic. I mean, Sonic rejects Eggman's friend request. Eggman gets mad, builds his own better. So he builds his own better social network. Just so that Sonic can try to friend them and just so he could reject them. And that's literally the whole plot of it. <laughs> but, I mean, it's 52 episodes in total. Each, well, there's two 52 episode seasons, but each episode is 11 minutes long. So, I mean, I guess you could pair them up and that would make you, that would give you like a full 22 minutes. So, yeah, not too long. And the Sonic Amen relationship, I don't know. I just find it hilarious. I mean, the entire original voice cast returns, at least from the past couple games. And I just love hearing, I guess, those characters get pushed to the limit in their voice acting. Because I feel like you hear Sonic yell and say and get angry in these certain ways that I feel I would never hear him say in a game or just say certain things that are just, I don't know, overacting and just hilarious. And the same goes like for Eggman or even just some of the character dynamics that are just a lot looser. Like you have multiple times where Eggman is just kind of crashing at Sonic's place because his lair got destroyed. Or... Eggman sending Sonic like an angry voice memo, voice message because he didn't show up to a battle and he was just like really mad and he said he wasn't going to talk to him or something. Like, I don't know. It's, it's very loose and yeah, there's, I don't know. It's just a really fun show. It really caught me by surprise and I know it's like, it sounds like it's completely done. Um, they had at some point it sounded like they had plans for a third season, but I don't know. I think it's just a funny Sonic. It's a show any Sonic fan would enjoy or kind of like I mentioned, if you, are a big fan of just gaming icons and just know kind of what's up with Sonic, you'll definitely have more to enjoy f- from it. But yeah, I'm so, sorry to say that Sonic I'm Boom. pretty sure that this show is going to be done. Considering all the voice cast, just, announced. yeah. Oh, I mean, it's been... In high, it, 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 yeah, that's true. I mean, the so- I mean, the Sonic Boom show, the last episode aired like years ago, so it's not like I'm like hoping... Oh, that there good, because like literally like, the entire I, voice cast of Sonic is being replaced, like all of them. It is really weird. I think so. Uh, Sonic's gone. Tails is gone. 
Um, Eggman? I don't know Not about Eggman, Eggman, actually. But Sonic and Tails have both said they're stepping away. I think who did Amy? I think Sonic? Amy's voice is gone. Like, they're... The Sonic Adventure Sonic voice guy is now like, hey, I'm I'm around Sega if you want to, like, bring me back. But yeah, I don't know what's going on, but they're doing, like, a major... That was always my favorite Sonic. ...upheaval. Damn, it's going to be weird not listening to Roger Craig Smith be Sonic. Well, I mean, Ben but... Schwartz sort I mean, of showed that... you can do another voice and it works. Like, in the movie. Like, I thought that was Yeah, fine. his voice was different. Also. Yeah, I know, yeah, like, I mean, there are other Sonic voices that sound fine. My biggest pet peeve is just when you get someone new to just do an imitation of mm. the old... So what actor. Looney Tunes always does. And, uh, 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 yeah, because, I mean, they either have to be spot on. Like, Eric Bowser does do an amazing job as, like, Bugs Bunny, mm-hmm. Marvin the Martian, mm-hmm. and I think he also does Porky Pig. He does. Where it's like, oh, like, like he has, like, the spirit of them. Like, you you can't think of, like, someone else better to take on the mantle of Mel Blanc. But then you have other instances. Like, I think the most common one that I, that I keep coming back to is Optimus Prime. Like, whenever it's, like, a really big movie role, for the most part, it's always Peter Cullen. But for some, like, spin-off, for some shows like the Transformers show on Netflix or there's a few other side movies where it's not, or other games where it's not Peter Cullen and it's just someone trying to do Peter Cullen. And it just sounds off. Mm. Like, it just doesn't sound right. It, it straight up sounds like someone, like, is just doing, like, a fan voice imitation. And it's just not great. But there are other shows like, you know, Transformers Animated or even the Optimus Prime and Beast Wars, where it's a completely different voice that's not trying to be Peter Cullen, and it works, and I like those a lot better. Like, I mean, Sonic, like, Ben Schwartz, I mean, Sonic, you kind of have an idea of what you think he would sound like. Right. I think Ben Schwartz was fine, but, yeah. And, I mean, but I also really like the Roger Craig Smith one. But we'll, and we'll see where it goes. Eggman, it's, damn, that one's just really hard, because I can't, it's really hard to picture Eggman's voice animated, at least, without that iconic laugh that he has, or just the way he talks. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, Jim Carrey wasn't doing that voice. He was doing Jim Carrey, and that worked. But I mean, it looked nothing like. Yeah, he differentiated. I mean, he yeah, it. yeah, yeah. It was it was different. It was its own thing. So we'll see. I mean, and this one's called Sonic Prime. So I don't know. It sounds like another or- like an origin story. So they have like a shattered Ted logo. So is it going to be a more serious take? I mean, this was. I mean, I'm sure people want another like Sonic Sad AM. I think that's what people prefer it's like the saturday morning cartoon there was that one and sonic the hedgehog sonic underground don't forget sonic underground sonic underground well, yeah he wore yeah, a necklace well, that came out a little cool and he played a guitar that's the one i watched as a kid actually i mock it but all three uh, all three hedgehog siblings voiced by jewel white jewel i forgot his name um urkel even the female hedgehog oh jaleel white yeah there you what? go he voiced yeah yeah Joe, i never knew white that i never knew he was the voice wow okay Oh yeah, he was yeah he was the voice for all those old Sonics. Wow. Yeah, then he did all three, but the very first one I mentioned, Sonic Sad AM, that one was like an ongoing episodic show, kind of like how Sonic X was. Yeah, we haven't really had that in a while, and this one, you know, it's obviously not that. So if you're looking for, you know, a continuous plot and character development, there definitely isn't that. It's literally just played for laughs and at the expense at or, you know, everything including the Sonic franchise. Yeah, fun stuff. I recommend it. I don't even know where you can watch it now, but yeah. I do get your point though about like people trying too close to be the the source material or like, trying to em- emulate because like I feel like that was the biggest downfall for Square Enix's Avengers game. Besides it being apparently pretty dull in gameplay, like they just tried so hard. Like like look at these voice actors we got, and we're gonna make them look almost like the Avengers you know and love, and sound almost like it. So it just felt like a knockoff, even though it was licensed. Like is so yeah. weird. Like it was so close, but just. It's like Uncanny Valley almost. It's really bizarre. Like, it, yeah. 
and now that game is pretty much down in the water and they might can't rumor is they might be canceling the dlc so that's what happens if you try to mm. mimic too much yeah they definitely should have changed up the art style. i don't know if it was a good idea to go for a more realistic look and you know still having the movie franchise be so popular and like I think even they could have done them better just to especially i think that was probably the worst in marvel's capcom infinite because they straight up tried to make the characters more cinematic mm. looking or more in line with how they looked in the movies instead of how they did in the comic books and i feel like that ourselves ended up suffering tremendously they could have just stuck in with the cell shaded look maybe just go further in that and mm-hmm. i mean the technology there to make it look literally like a comic book and i think yeah, that's why ultimate it. alliance 3 worked um so well oh, yeah, that because they lean, like, no one complains about those they leaned they on the comic book entirely i mean they they left wolverine in there they left the old costumes like they didn't try from what from my limited time with marvel ultimate alliance 3 they did not try to go the movie route because i guess avengers is already doing that the square enix game so they were like well let's just lean in on the comic book which is also what they did for ultimate alliance 1 and 2 so they stayed true to that and they went on to you know do pretty decently so yeah, yeah and i don't know if it's a uh, if it's because this is just what we've been exposed to for so many years but I mean, like, the classic cartoon costumes, comic book costumes, um, never seem to translate super well in real life. Like, if you, especially if you do, like, a one-to-one, you almost always get, like, a more muted version. Like, I know, like, the original X-Men, like, obviously, they weren't all bright yellow and blue. They were literally just wearing black spandex. Yeah. Which, I mean, also, like, you know, look boring. But, I mean, they, I want to say, I don't know, it probably would have looked little sillier i don't know unless that's what you're going for i don't they, know it, it's weird but in gaming yeah. in x class yeah they, 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 they did bring in yellow some yellow yeah yeah it wasn't it wasn't as like full-on like it was in the show but i mean they definitely yeah were, it wasn't like neon paying more homage. yeah but i mean i i, I do get it though because like you can't if you're doing like a real life quote-unquote interpretation of i mean just look at wandavision things. or at least like the trailers like they show scarlet witch and vision and those like I guess they're classic costumes, even though they're supposed to be, I think, Halloween costumes, it looks like. I haven't seen the show, so I'm just going to <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, but they I look, like, super, yeah. but they look super silly. Yeah, exactly. Compared so you gotta, they, like, like, I feel like Shazam's the one that close, most closely walked the line of being, like, by, like, the comic book in terms of the outfit, but they leaned in on it and made it kind of ridiculous. So if you're trying to do, yeah, like, they, a they, sim, it, if you're trying to do, like, a serious superhero movie, you can't, honestly, you can't have someone look like they walked out of a Halloween <laughs> store. It just doesn't work. It, it that, shares the That illusion. didn't stop Zack Snyder from making uh, <laughs> Superman's costume just radiant at the end of Justice League. Oh, true, true. Or I, or I guess that was Shot Sweet. Whatever. I, I don't care. Do not at me about who was in charge of Superman's costume at the end of Justice League. Do not at me. I don't <laughs> care. Uh, speaking of that, just brace yourself. March 18th, the Zack Snyder cut, which is like four hours long, comes out on HBO Max. I feel like we're oh, to I, talk I about that. I can't wait. I, oh, we're at yeah, that. We're for sure. the entire episode dedicated oh, yeah. to itself. Yeah, it's going to be a complete yeah, that... mess, and I cannot wait. <laughs> God, speaking of that one, too. like, Or it could actually be really good. Who knows? Yeah, it could exceed our expectations. Like, my expectations are already super, super, super low for that. They, so I hopefully it exceeds them. It's just like they keep throwing things in. Is like that he the one tweeted, with the... or go ahead, Angel. Oh, so if that's the one with the monster that kept getting, yeah. like, put on top of like fake RTX boxes because it looks like something from that. I think yep, it was yep. um, that, yeah, that was with the be dark side, yeah. But uh, and that was getting that was being put on like Super Nintendo, not Super Nintendo, like uh, N64. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> 
Here, here's what I'm yep. most interested about with that is made for grownups. What made for grownups? That's that's what yeah. Zack Snyder uh, tweeted at somebody like, oh, this is this grown-ups. is a, a real this is a thinking man's superhero movie. Here, and then you just oh, see that God. picture, of that picture, like the next day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Here, here's what I'm most excited oh. about. This was a movie that was going to be a mini. Okay, so ignore the fact that they switched directors and Zack Snyder's family went through all that. That result, you know, that caused it and everything. Just looking at what it is now, we have a movie that Zack Snyder has twenty million dollars to play with. He's like, "Oh, I'm gonna make it a mini series," and then two months before it comes out, he goes, "Just kidding! It's gonna be a four-hour movie." And then after that, he's like, "By the way, I'm adding new characters. Look, Joker from Suicide Squad's here now." Like what? Like he's just on a whim. Wait, drunk. Jared Leto? Thing yes, it? and he has long hair now. Maybe it still hasn't been confirmed. Oh, it's not confirmed. Well, he was. I thought he was creating it's, Suicide Squad for creating he's, the character. He's teasing it. He's teasing it. Oh uh, well. Either way, basically, like the thing was gonna be a six-part miniseries at one point, or a four-part miniseries at one point. Now it's just a four-hour movie. Oh no, it was six-part. Which, like, I don't, I don't know anything that Zack Snyder says. The fact that he riled up so many people to say like, "Yeah, there is a Snyder cut." And then they finally decide to release it. He's like, hold up, hold up. Give, give me like a year. And $28 million. And I will give you a Snyder Cut. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so, oh, so you never had a Snyder Cut? Gotcha. Yeah, and then like I'm just thinking like so this thing was announced. And like, oh, it's coming like mid, like summer 2021. Now you sound like, nope, it's actually ready in March now. And here's some other characters. And also it's no longer this is now that. I'm like, what? Are they just flying by the sea of their pants? Like this is going to be okay, such okay. a Okay, we got we to save this discussion for, for when <laughs> know, the movie comes out. I know, I know. I cannot wait. Yeah, only at the only other thing I was going to say that if I guess on the other extreme, like if you don't get more muted, I guess, plain costumes for the live action movies, you end up getting overly detailed ones. Cause like, you know, the flash one always comes to mind where it's just like uh-huh. so busy looking, uh-huh. but yeah, it is weird. It's such a weird balance and props to the people that have to work on that. I mean, whatever the outcome is, like, it can't be easy to just try to make all that work and even just like satisfy everyone. Cause you can't, you literally can't satisfy everyone. Yeah. You just gotta go with mainstream appeal yeah. at that point, which means muted yeah. usually, <laughs> or just you know let let, yeah. let the fans dance <laughs> yeah. you and yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog guy is a pretty cool character. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jason, yeah. Foo Fighters has okay. a new album. They do. And you listen to it? I did for some reason. I like Foo Fighters. That's the reason. Um, but no, true. I I, I, like, <laughs> I like Foo Fighters too. I just haven't. Heard I'm asking for a friend, but, but who are Foo, who are Foo Fighters? They, uh, asking for a friend. Uh, at times like these. Do you know that song? Great. Okay. Do you think part of it? Uh, even, I, even I guarantee I you, I won't know. You don't know time. <laughs> times like these? Yeah, dude. That's like times like these. I want to punch you in the face. Times like these. We learned to. Like, you've never heard times like that's like one of their biggest songs. They just played it at SNL. They played it at Biden's inauguration. Like, you never heard that song. He he didn't see either of those things. No, I'm saying for you, you don't know times like these by the Foo Fighters. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I didn't know it by name. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know. I know um, like anyway, uh, Angel, you may know them as. Dave Grohl and friends, maybe you might know them as the He's best, the guy from Nirvana, the best, the best, the, the best, best of, of you. you. Yes. Oh, there, there you go. Okay. Thank you, Kevin, for giving me something. Times like I these is bigger recognize. than best of you, but best of you is better than times like these, in my opinion. But. Absolutely. First of all, neither of those things are are correct. The best, <laughs> the best of you, the best of you is huge. It's it's that's like, what I said. Best of you is bigger than times like these. Oh, did I say it backwards? I said it backwards. Yeah. 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 And then, but you said the best oh. of you is. Oh, wait. No. I, I don't know. Hey, taxes above. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. So they came wait, out is, with. Is Dave, Dave Grohl the guy that's always referred to as like the last true yes. rock star? Yes. Or yes. Something? And that's what I he, want. He like, injured himself. They, they are. Foo Fighters have become Ooh. like the, the like 
caretakers of rock and roll apparently i'm not sure when this happened or why it was sometime after they did i think wasting light in 2011 was like their tipping point because then they started winning more grammys and then like they sort of leaned in on this idea no that's red hot chili peppers but good good hustle um (laughs) but anyway um yeah so they leaned into that originally food fires um this will come back to the new app i promise and they started doing like they did a project called sonic highways um after they started became like the gatekeepers of rock and roll or not gatekeepers but the caretakers of rock and roll where they went city to city around the country and filmed a docuseries as well where they met with local musicians and made a track per city combined them into an album and that was sonic highways then they did another album called korean gold which they i was wondering how they do you top going around the country like that you don't but they still kind of kept this like weird like oh well we're taking care of rock and roll so like we're going to do all these homages to different types of classic rock on this album and we're going to get some collaborators like we don't have cities to go to this time but like paul mccartney's hanging out with us he's gonna play drums on this track oh justin timberlake's working next door on his album we're gonna have him come in and do backing vocals oh um this dude from boys to men is gonna help us write three of the songs which is a real thing that happened or oh the singer from like the kills is happens to be nearby let's have her do backing vocals and the whole so both those albums felt very much like they were trying to live up to oh we're in charge of rock and roll we need to pay homage to classic rock we need to pay homage to all these different cities and their styles and that made for projects that felt very ambitious and grand and to me didn't quite feel like just like foo fighters like it felt like they're trying to be something more which is fine because they did some cool stuff and they did some cool collaborations you know they have like a kind of bluesy track for chicago on sonic highways and they have like something a little more like like Wait, chicago as in you're the meaning of my life no as in the city of chicago because oh. they traveled around um and then like they went to new orleans and got like you know all the jazz bands that marches around you know parades through the street to like record with them and like they did cool stuff but it didn't really feel like foo fire like it felt so like like they're doing so much more than just more Foo Fires. So what's nice about this new album, which is called Messing at Midnight and came out this past Thursday, is it's more focused sonically. Like it feels more like it's just an album by the Foo Fighters. Like they made it just with themselves and a producer who actually weirdly worked with Adele before. But anyway, producer they've worked with before and they just like rented a house in the valley here in LA and just like cranked down an album just then. They didn't like go, hey, Timberlake, you all like give us a melody or, you know, anything like that. They just like made a Foo Fire album. And it's still because their new thing is they're, you know, in charge of rock and roll and they're like sort of the people that bring it to the masses now. So they still want to like pay homage to stuff, but they did it as one package so instead of it being this song's kind of like chicago this song's kind of like new orleans or on conquering goal which was their last album they're like this song's sort of like a grateful dead sounding thing and this one's gonna be a little like whoever and whatever this whole album they kind of they called it their dance record so it's a little more poppy it's a little more um as like some you know kind of like four four drums going it uh has a little more it has some like disco groove elements to it it has interestingly backup singers like three or four women that do like kind of like na-na-na's and stuff in the background of some songs. And as a result, it's a little more ballady and poppy than say stuff like, you know, their early work. But because they just were like, we're just going to do a record that sounds like this and then worked within that space, it feels like more of a cohesive package. And because they went kind of the poppier, groovier, dancier route, it also just, it feels a little tighter. It's a little shorter, but the songs have a little more like punchiness to them. Like, I don't know. It just feels... It doesn't feel as like – I want to say try hard because the others weren't try hard. They're just exploring different ways to explore music. But like this one just feels more like a complete package and as a result, 
because they're working within only one sort of space, they're able to let some of their more Foo Fighter-y things slip in and not try as much to be other things, which means it also kind of just feels more like them. I don't know, like it feels like they kind of went back to the basics, even though they're still doing kind of different take on the music they've done. Like it, like I said, it is definitely more poppy, but um, and more ballady, and there's less like, you know, like the, the running joke with Foo Fighters for a long time was they do like soft verse loud chorus soft verse loud chorus and there's a little less of that but there are some good like build-ups and loud parts for sure but it's definitely a softer album but it it feels more like a return to form of what they did before they started to get super ambitious in terms of their scope which is kind of nice interesting because because literally everything that you've told me does not sound like their earlier stuff no no it it but my point is like it feels like they're sort of like do you mean on the experimentation side where it's just literally them and not yeah. this cavalcade of artists. And, yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like it, it, okay. it definitely still sounds a little like that. Like, it's it's like, think of a song like Walk. Like, for example, like Wasting Light's one of my favorite albums. Walk This Way? What? No, just Walk. But <laughs> that's, that's uh, way. Wasting Light's one of my favorite albums. I think this is my favorite since Wasting Light. And like Sonic Highways, okay. I liked a few songs. Conquering Gold, I liked a few songs. But this one, I like it as a package. And... If you think about like the lead single for Wasting Light was Rope or whatever, and then the second song was Walk, and Walk was kind of like a slower song by Foo standards, like it's a little, you know, didn't have like heavy guitars. Yeah. This album's a little more in the Walk direction, okay. but with well, like kind of I'm a funk skipping that thing. because Walk <laughs> is is probably my least favorite uh, Foo Fighters single. Interesting. I jumped off the Foo Fighters train with Wasting Light. I think that was the last album that I heard mm-hmm. front to back. Because I thought Rope was a decent song, but it didn't hold a candle to, you know, The Pretender and that. Oh, The Pretender is like their best song. I love The Pretender. I think it's their best song. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, there's, and there's, um, there's definitely, it, this isn't early Foo Fires. I mean, it, it's not, but it feels like the most cohesive, like, structure. <laughs> like, it just feels like a complete package. All the other stuff was just like them sort of plucking things out and trying to emulate things or trying to bring in elements and be like, look, we're not just the guys that shout best of you best of you best of you like we we also like can hang out with a jazz band and then conquering goals like we also can like write with boys to men and now this one's like okay yeah we're just gonna do our thing but we're gonna have it be a little dancey so it 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 i feel like that's why it works it just feels reined in if that makes sense but mm-hmm. and, and for me it's kind of nice just to have them go kind of in a way back to the basics it's not like the real basics because as you point out it's not the same as the early stuff but it does feel like they're sort of scaling back and just kind of having fun with music. And I, I don't know. I mean, I imagine this is more a question for you, Kevin, than Angel, just because I know you follow bands a lot closer. Like, have you, has there been a band, like, while well, I'm just going to Foo Fighters, where, like, you, you saw them go in one direction and then they kind of, like, maybe they kept going in that direction, but they sort of, like... Oh, One Direction. Yeah, you know, I'm talking about Harry Styles here. Maybe you love <laughs> Don't sing too much or we have to pay royalties because we're recording. Uh, but... Um, yeah, we don't make money off this. No, we don't, sadly. We um, still haven't got that Raid Shadow Legends money. I know, we haven't. But but is there a band coming that, like, you know, they started going in one direction and sort of, like, pared down or stripped down and went back to basics that kind of was, like, finally to you? Or is this, like, a weird anomaly for me? Uh, the, the most recent one that I can think of is The Strokes and their new album. Mm-hmm. The last two albums oh, before Fire. were a little bit more experimental. And this one... This last album sounds like, oh, this could have easily been their fourth their fourth album and not their sixth. It could have easily been their third album. Mm, I see. Um, mean, yeah. Reptilia was dope. <laughs> Reptilia was dope. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, aside from that, um, Muse maybe? But Muse like a couple of albums ago at this point when uh, 
they did that dubstep album. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Or like that dubstep. Yeah. Which I I I like that dubstep. I album. like the lead single um, from it. I forgot what it's called. Um, Madness. Madness. Yeah, I really like Madness. Yeah, they did that dubstep album, and then the next one was like a hard rock album. Drones. Right. Right. Don't get me wrong. Their their newest album is pretty good too. Simulation Theory. Um, but that one definitely sounds different from literally everything else that they've done. So I don't know if this next album is gonna sound is gonna go a little bit more back to basics, but. And and I should I should say with with Foo Fighters like it, there's definitely it's it's dancier but it's still like actually there's a song on there that kind of reminds me of Arctic Monkeys and there's another song on there that kind of reminds me of Killers a little but like if they if you put it through the lens of like Dave Grohl's like preferring raw guitars and no like electric elements or anything in the case of the Killer song right. but um yeah it's uh it it definitely is a little different but it does feel more like the energy I guess is what I'm looking for is that of like wasting light which is kind of nice. But gotcha, yeah. Um, and I might have to give this album a shot. Yeah, and you're gonna you're gonna text me and be like, "What are you talking about? It's awful." No, but it. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. Maybe it's just because they got so like their scope just got so big that the fact that they just reined it in whatsoever and just had fun in a house making music versus like trying to like you know pull from all these different directions. Maybe that's all it was. And and you do hear it in the music. That's what's crazy to me is like theoretically, if someone turned on Sonic Highways. Or turn on Concrete and Gold. And it was just like, all right, I'm just going to listen to this. And then turn on Mid- uh, Mess at Midnight. They sound different. Like, they just, it's like, you know, some albums, we were talking about this, I think, with, uh, I don't remember if it was Run the Jewels or something when we were talking about albums earlier in QC, how, like, some albums just sound very, like, they're one body of work and some just sound like some songs thrown together. Right. I feel like some of the last few albums were more, like, uh, thrown together and this feels more like an actual body of work. Oh, no. So, Yeah. But that doesn't mean that you can have an album thrown together. You can still have singles, and all the singles can be fine, and you can have favorite songs in those singles. But this one, like, like honestly, the singles in Messy at Midnight, like they they went SNL and performed a song called Shame Shame, which ne- which builds but never like arrives. Like it just it's like you're waiting for the guitar to like go like crazy, and it just never happens. Uh, like that, I was like, that's the single. Uh, I don't know about this, but then in the context of the album, it actually works really well. And they still have little nods and winks to stuff. They have one song that's kind of. Uh, it feels like a Motorhead song almost, but still has kind of a dance element. It's like they're still like doing the thing where they're nodding. There's a Bowie sounding one kind of. They're doing the things where they're kind of nodding at other genres, but they're doing it within the same sound, which is what's nice opposed to the last couple projects. So anyway, yeah, that's that's my at midnight. I feel like I'm just rambling now, but um, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's interesting. I, I didn't know what to expect going in, and I was very pleasantly surprised. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so I saw the little things. Uh, I don't know if either of you have heard about this movie. It is the newest Never heard of it. HBO. Uh, maybe at this point it's not the, the newest HBO Max release. But... Is, that, is this the one with Denzel and Jerry Leto? Yes. It... And Rami Malek. Oh. Oh, oh, oh. Who? Really? Yeah. Mr. Robot. Uh, Who? Mr. Robot. Oh. Don't be sad. Mr. Robot's great. You <laughs> the jerk. <deflated>. Oh. <laughs> uh, you may also know him soon, mm-hmm. Angel, as the villain in the next Bond movie that's coming out in 2035 or whenever they finally release it. Yeah, exactly. I, I still have to watch the other Bond movies. And they're they're always on sale on uh, Voodoo, like the the Daniel Craig collection. You I mean, are any of the Daniel Craig ones even worth watching? Casino Royale. So by all the num- they just seem so by the number and boring. How can you say that if you've never seen them? I said they theme. I'm not saying oh, they are. Oh. I said they theme. They theme. Because um, every action movie just looks the same in trailers. At least at least Casino Royale. I, I, that's like the perfect Bond movie, in my opinion. I think also the perfect uh, Bond Sky, movie? Skyfall, Skyfall visually is Skyfall's, a treat. 
<laughs> oh yeah, Skyfall is definitely one of the best looking Bond movies. It's like they it's like they alternate because Casino Royale is good, Quantum Solace is whatever, Skyfall's really good. Um, let's follow that. Spectre, Spectre was kind of whatever. Spectre wasn't as bad as I yeah. thought it was going to be. Spectre I it was, be worse. was the rare Bond movie that actually was a direct follow up. Like no, you Quantum should... of Solace was a direct. Oh, that's right. It was. That's right. To Casino Royale. Right. It literally starts where that movie ends. Right. Oh, right. With Damn the Jason. underwater and everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Uh, but yeah, it's it's like every other. So this next Bond should be good, following the pattern. Hmm. So yeah, yeah. But anyway. but anyways, <laughs> so the, yeah, the little things. So it's a it's a crime movie, and I can't really compare it to a movie or two because it's literally all of the crime movies put together. It's incredibly generic, and it boggles my mind that this is going to be released in theaters because it just feels like a straight-to-home release movie. And I'm I'm going to be a little rough on this movie, honestly. To, to be fair, if it was going to come out in January in theaters, January is always the month they release the generic the, movies. the dumping grounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in this, Denzel Washington plays a deputy based in Bakersfield, California. And he goes down to the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department where you learn that he used to work there as one of their, like, lead detectives, one of their premier detectives. There he meets Remy Malik's character, who is the guy who replaced Denzel. And at first, they butt heads a little bit, but then Remy takes Denzel to, like, a crime scene mm-hmm. that is very reminiscent to an unsolved crime that Denzel worked on years ago. So he sticks around to help. Ooh. And... If that isn't the most one generic story, yeah, for for crime movies, I don't know what is. Uh, but on top of that, Denzel also has a secret past that continues to haunt him, and no. Rami's character has to solve the case in a week because the feds are coming down to take the case off his hands. And it's just literally every every cliche. Do, it, it's just uh, do they execute it well at least? Cl- um, because like I'm okay with tropes if the tropes no. are done well. Uh, no. Oh. Uh, so the, the script, the script sucks. Oh. It, it legit sounds like if David Fincher had Joss Whedon come up to punch up the, the script for seven. Uh, it's full I of these quips that, <laughs> it's full of these quips that I don't think either of these characters would ever say, let alone to someone that they literally just met. Uh, because the, the, it spans, I believe, about a week and they're, they're just chummy chummy by the end of the, by the end of the movie. The score is so, so bad. There are scenes that are supposed to be morbid that have just like this uplifting, this, this uplifting sound. And just the, the conflict there is so, I just kept not, and it's it's specifically this one, this one piece of score that they keep using over and over again for these morbid scenes. I just keep thinking to myself, why would you choose this? I don't, I don't know what they were thinking. I can't even really compliment the visuals because Nothing about the cinematography or the way it was shot or edited wowed me. It just, it doesn't just feel like a movie that is perfect for, like, TNT. It feels like it was made on a TNT budget. Oh, so they uh, spent all the money on yeah. getting the actors and that was it. So what, who's Jared Leto in it? Is he a bad guy? So, uh, Jared Leto, yeah, he's in this movie. He's the prime suspect in the case. Mm. And he plays, like, this dirtbag. And he plays the prime suspect very, very well. He's, like, very sociopathic. Uh, Jared Leto's performance is really the only thing that I liked in this in this movie, honestly. Hmm. And I haven't liked Jared Leto in anything since uh, Fight Club back in 2001. He was all right in Blade Runner. I still haven't seen Blade Runner 2049. Oh, dude. You gotta see Blade Runner 2049. He's all right in it. <laughs> but the rest of the movie, like, it's visually uh, such a treat. 
Right. So I don't, yeah, man, this movie, I don't know if it's trying to be clever or even trying to be original, but if it is trying to be clever, it's doing a terrible job of it. And if it's trying to be original, no, because it also, because it just does a terrible job because it, it cribs literally every line in the book. <sighs> Rami Malek's character, um, Rami was, was, I feel miscast in this movie completely because, and you know how I love me some Mr. Robot. Oh yeah. You and me both. You and me both. Yeah. We both love us some, some Mr. Robot, mm-hmm. but I don't know. He just plays this movie so straight and they didn't give him anything interesting besides, uh, like a religious background. Like he's a, I, they call him a holy roller, but of course, because he is religious, you think to yourself, oh, there's going to be a scene where like his, his faith is shaken. And sure enough, there's like a small scene where that happens. It's just, you see everything coming. Denzel, Denzel, he's, he's starting to show his age a little bit. Uh, but he still does, he still makes the best with the script, but he, but Denzel also, I don't know if this is because I know it's Denzel or because he was directed to do this, but he, he plays sort of a, he seems like a down on his luck guy at the beginning, but then he just plays this smarmy jackass like very, very well. Like he's smiling at all his suspects. He's, he's like, he's just being a complete jerk to solve this case. Does he say my Um, man at any point? Did he say what? My man at any point? Doesn't he always say that in his movies? Or a he, couple movies? He, he might have. Uh, I don't know. I, I forget. I kind of want to spoil the ending because it's nothing remarkable. Spoiler, Spoiler warning. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I may. I there, there's a chance I may watch this just because Remy Malik. So okay, okay, it's so, okay. I guess he could spoil it. I guess. Okay. <laughs> so here's your spoiler warning. Go ahead by like 15 seconds. The critics have unfavorably compared this to Seven. And I didn't understand why until the very end. Uh, there is a reason why this movie gets compared to Seven a lot, um, and that's all I'll say about the ending. Does it? Uh, it does and honestly, it, that's that's all I got to say about the little things. And I guess if it's unfavorable, it compares poorly. So it, bo- it borrows something yes. and it doesn't do it well. Okay, gotcha. Yep. Yeah, I can I can guess. Very but, very disappointed yeah. considering the pedigree behind this movie. I I read that. Originally, Steven Spielberg was supposed to direct this movie a long time ago, uh, but he didn't want to do it because of how morbid it was. But this, there's there's nothing even shocking about the movie, really. It's like you see worse stuff on True Detective, right? Yeah, and this just feels like a like a like a very very knockoff True Detective. So while you're right about know, it, not, I mean, is there anything? I mean, I don't know any little like I think you mentioned like little things to appreciate. I just really wanted to make that joke, like. You know, appreciate the little. Things oh, there. they, oh, they, they, huh. they name drop the little things like three times, and it's that thing where like that that uh that Leonardo DiCaprio mean where like you you point. Yeah, yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. When he's yeah. Denzel says it's the little things, you know. And does he's he like, then oh, look at? But it's not even. Does he look at they, the camera? They shoehorn that line in so so bad. I'm sorry. What did you say? Is it like? Does he like look at the camera when he says it, or is it like? Uh... What are we? Some it's, type of little things, um, like in Suicide Squad. <laughs> he he is the only one on screen when he says the little things. Oh, so he might as well just be talking to. Uh, I. It's so generic. It's so I can't say it's boring because at least the the central mystery did keep me like, oh, I wonder if Jared Leto is going to end up being the killer. Uh, but that's only because I liked Jared Leto in this role. Mm-hmm. He kind of plays it with mm-hmm. an accent. It's actually interesting. Uh, and apparently no, he got the little things for this for for or, yeah it's the little things oh god oh man the little things yeah this movie 
Very, very disappointing. I may, I, like I was saying, I may still check it out just because Ryan Malik and I want to, him to shine a brighter star in Hollywood. So I think he's in. I feel like I if should this, watch. If this was Rami Malik's first mm-hmm. movie, I'd be like, this guy's going nowhere, honestly. Wow. Okay. He, yeah. He had his chance in Bohemian Rhapsody. There's, there's literally nothing special about his performance. Angel. So, like, so, you know, like, during the, during the COVID times, like, I've had more time to, like, reflect, the organize, and just kind of, and just kind of look at my, like, my collection of various things. Like, I am more than just someone that collects Ninja Turtle stuff. If anything, in my current room, there kind of isn't a lot of Ninja Turtle stuff. I mean, besides my wallpaper on the computer, I'm mainly surrounded with, like, a Phoenix Wright statue, replicas of the God of War figurines that Atreus plays with, some Transformers, Godzilla, more Godzilla. Oh, and a bunch of Transformers behind me. But um, but besides that, like, something that I really love to collect and, like, I'm a very big fan of, like, Ghibli films, as I've mentioned here plenty of times. And as I will share to at least, like, my, my co-hosts, um, you'll see that for the longest time, like, it's always bothered me that I came in really late to this game. So I couldn't really, I, I wasn't there to collect all the Disney produced, the Disney published Ghibli films. By the time I came in, I was only able to get the ones shown, which is like three, four, oh, five, yeah, six, yeah. seven, eight of them. And then G-Kids got the rights to all the Ghibli films, and then they started releasing them. So what you're seeing is pretty much the full collection of Ghibli movies, except two of them. I don't have Tales of Earthsea, which is typically regarded as a really bad Ghibli film. So I've just kind of taken my time with getting it. And the other one is Mithya Amadas, which is based on a comic strip from Japan. So, you know, it's one of those, like, if you don't haven't read the comic strip, you're not really going to enjoy it as much. It's not a general tale for everybody. So, you know, I haven't, I've been taking my time with those. But on top of that, you know, sometimes I'm able to get them with a the sleeve. Sometimes I'm able to get them without the sleeve. Get a lot of inconsistency. If you're looking at the picture that they're looking, it doesn't even look like it's all movies from the same series. It looks like I have some golden ones from Disney, some black ones without the sleeve in the middle, and then some other ones. I mean, at least, yeah, you kind of tell. Rave of the Fireflies the is, is the clear eyesore in all of this. Because I can oh, see God. the... the, the <laughs> the logic behind most of this and then you get to grave of the fireflies and it just sticks out like a sore thumb yeah they didn't they didn't yeah. match any styling of any of the others regardless of who put it out like it's just its own well one off well that one has its own interesting thing because that one even though um g kids i think like does now have some rights to grave of the fireflies in some capacity they i don't think they have the rights to sell blu-rays only sentai films does so as a result I can't have, like, a completely matching, you know, collection of them. But at the same time, um, Grave of the Fireflies was made... It was kind of like an association with Studio Ghibli. I don't think it was, like, directly made with the Studio Ghibli branding. It's just so many of the people involved in those movies worked on Grave of the Fireflies, especially the director, that people just kind of group it in there anyway. But, I mean, the movies after that Tokyo Grandfather and Children of the Sea, they're completely different. They're not associated with Ghibli. They're just also G-Kids films. Or published by G Kids. So in the last year, I noticed that G Kids started releasing steel books of all the Ghibli films, and I was like, oh, I'm so close to finishing these. I just want to. I'll be okay. But then the more, I guess, I just kept looking at these films and just looking at the shelf. I just started getting more unhappy with how it looked. I don't know if it's because I just had more time to reflect on these things, but I mean, I wasn't happy that I had to deal with this to begin with, or the fact that there was no consistency with sleeves or not sleeves or the backing that. At some point, I just decided, you know what? I'm just going to take the plunge. It looks like they're doing a good job of releasing these consistently. 
And I feel like I jumped at the last possible minute that I could have, because as soon as I started buying these new steelbooks up, a lot of them started selling out and even becoming out of print. But there's literally a brand new Studio Ghibli film that premiered yesterday that I'm watching at some point this weekend. I think it's Earwig and the Witch. That one already has a steelbook pre-order available for it. And they also have more coming out. They literally have, I think, half of all Studio Ghibli films available now on on steelbook well three of them are for pre-order but you know just available to purchase in some way and i'm already caught up with them so now i get to relive the the hunt for these films again which i actually did kind of miss i do like the you know just the hunts of having something to collect i mean ninja turtles like there is always kind of something they're just so on and off and now with scalpers and the distribution that NECA has been using it's more of a pain to buy ninja turtle figures from NECA than it is fun and ghibli films so far have been fun just because, you know, they're always available and just to give you an idea of what the steelbooks look like. Well, to my co-host, I just uploaded a picture of how they look now. And as you can see, much more uniform and just really nice looking. Nice and shiny. And obviously now the spines all match. And because I've been buying more steelbooks recently, especially from G-Kids, like the the, Pro, the Promade one. And I think I have a few others. Like, they just line up and look so nice next to each other. Oh, and the Lupin the steelbooks one. look awesome. So wh- what do you do with the duplicates are you selling the old ones or are you just having duplicates like because you're in a weird situation because of this so how do you so like address I that i thought about <laughs> selling some but um there are some like really good like co-workers and just friends that i know also collect ghibli films but they're not as like picky about like where like what they look like that i might just like give some away mm-hmm. like oh, literally gosh. just like just like give some away and then whatever like i'm left over with i might just like sell or get rid of in some way because literally all the features like there are some cases where i might keep both if like oh the disney one comes with a little documentary i'll just obviously organize it in a different way but yeah like it might come with a documentary that the gk's version doesn't have but everything from one blu-ray is they're on the other, so yeah, I still have the the Dakota fanning dub version of Totoro or the Nausicaa version with Shia LaBeouf. But um, oh yeah, I mean they also obviously have the sub versions as well. But yeah, I just really love how the collection's coming together again. Just kind of curious if there's like if you guys particularly like started collecting anything new like in these last like couple months, or for the most part things have kind of stayed the course. Uh, this, this sort of reminds me, and th- this isn't even towards, this isn't even me, uh, but I know your brother collects the DC animated movies, and he will mm. refuse to buy it if he doesn't, he doesn't have, have a sleeve. sleeve. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's caused them to just lose out on some of the movies because they just don't produce them with the sleeves anymore. It was like, uh, I, this, this is why I can't get into this because if I miss one, I, I'm just like, okay, well, that's. I just wasted all this money and I can't have the complete collection. What's even the point? That's why yeah. I personally can't start something like this. I mean, the thing is, like, I also do something prefer to just get collections. But for these, I don't know. I like, I guess I really like this look of the steelbooks enough that I want to just go through with it. And if oh, they yeah, don't those get to all of them, awesome. I mean, that's fine. I mean, I've picked the hill I'm going to die on. But, like, I know there are, like, literally, like, it's probably the size of, like, three or four DVD cases squished to each other. But there is, like, a Miyazaki collection. It's not available in the U.S. You have to import it from U.K., which isn't that expensive. But it has all the films. I think except maybe two of them. But, I mean, there's, like, easy ways to get, like, big... I mean, I know, like, even for the DC ones, they have, like, a collection that has, like, I think every film up to that point. But, yeah, it, it gets tricky. I, I wish, like, more... Like, I wish Sonic Boom would get, like, a Blu-ray release. I wish... The 2003 Ninja Turtle show got a Blu-ray release. And I don't know if I mentioned it in the show, but Jesus, that show, this collecting those DVDs where it's like a nightmare. 
because first they started with like they would group them in sets of four it was like four episodes per dvd there's no blu-ray this was like you know 2003 and every group Wait, of which four i'm sorry um the 2003 ninja turtles Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, like every group of four, the spines would line up to give you like the image of one of the turtles. And then once you got through all four turtles, they decided to just go, you know what? Screw it. Now we're just going to do like numbers of decimals. Still not seasons. Just like here's 10 episodes. We'll call it 3.1, 3.2. And then we'll call it like, and then at some point they dropped that and they just started grouping them by like themes, I guess. I guess they saw like the next couple episodes in the season and they're just like, all right, there's some monsters in here. Let's call this one monsters and madness and or like if there's kind of an arc they're like all right let's call this like the ultimate ninja one and then so you know already like there's a ton of inconsistency with the spines and it's just horrible and then at some point they're just like you know what here's just season four it's literally called season four it's on one dvd case <laughs> they just get lazy <laughs> and then and then they're like you know what we can do this right so then after season four they literally started all over and they actually started releasing them as season one, part one in one DVD and season two, part season one, part two. And they did that for the first two seasons. And it was nice, consistent. Everything was there. Because there were a lot of episodes in each season. And then they just stopped. So it didn't sell. They got as far as season two. So it it and didn't sell well. They just. That's yeah. So like once they finally nailed it down, if they had done it there from the beginning, it would have been perfect. But yeah, they got that far and just ended. And it was the same thing with the classic Ninja Turtle show. They also did the exact same thing. Like, they started with, like, Volume 1 through Volume 9. And then at some point, they're like, you know what? Here's all the Season 5, Season 6, Season 7. And they actually did finish. They made it all the way to Season 10. And we do have all of those DVDs in this long, you know, I guess just long row on a shelf. And then, you know, they released a turtle van that just has all of them in it. So, yeah, we probably could have waited. But, you know, we didn't know if they were going to get to that point. So you got to pick your poison. But that's just collecting yeah. I think the thing that I got closest to was getting Gurren Lagann on DVD. Uh, it, they came in sort of like these box sets, but it was only a few episodes, if I remember correctly. I bought oh, the geez. first two. I bought the first two. I, I think each one held maybe about 12 episodes. And I believe that that show was about 40-something. I may be wrong on that. Don't quote me. But I just remember them never making a part three. And that killed me. And oh. yeah, it's oh, it's so annoying when I, I understand that pain of like, oh, they just stopped at some point because yeah. it didn't sell. Rights of things and, you know, like what they can and can't release. Like like those steelbooks that I mentioned, like Grip of the Fireflies is like in that situation where it's not a part of the steelbook series. So it's like, oh, what am I going to do? But luckily, um, Sentai... Actually, I guess looked at these steelbooks and I'm like, you know what? We're going to make a Grave of the Fireflies one in line with all these Ghibli ones. So while it's not like labeled as like G Kids, you probably couldn't really tell that it wasn't part of that collection. Like it does have like some, like a little extra nice like flourishes that make it look actually a little nicer from the back. But for the most part, I mean, it's basically the same thing. And obviously, like, I had to get it because, yeah, I don't even know if G-Kids will ever do one. But, yeah. you know, it also comes with some extra goodies. I also dropped a picture of that one. Just so you could see how much they actually tried to, oh, I guess, yeah. please fans. So to, it's like, to, wow. like, replicate that look? <laughs> yeah, compared uh, to that what, first what, release. But, yeah. What about the spine? Do, is the spine going to match up? Because I feel like that'd be the most important part, right? Um, At least to a degree. Yeah. Or um, it's half, a, half, of the, half of it. 
Um, the spines look pretty much the same. The only thing it's missing is just a little okay. circle on the top that says G Kids, which is like, wow, that's perfectly fine. Mm. Yeah. And nothing's considered. I think yeah, that would it still would... drive me crazy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, luckily it would go. But what, what, what like, can you do? You know. Oh yeah. Uh, well, yeah. There's that, and luckily order-wise, like it would go before all of the other ones. So there's also that that kind of makes it a little easier because you know oh, it's like gotcha. kind of part of Ghibli, kind of not. So like it would go before they are properly Ghibli. I keep calling it Ghibli. So yeah, so that also makes it easier. Because you know, I do want to acknowledge that at least in the collection, like yeah, there are some mm-hmm. exceptions. Like I do kind of hope they do a like Castle of Cagliostro, or I think it's what I forgot what it's called. That was also it's in the same vein as Grave of the Fireflies, made by, directed by Miyazaki, has a bunch of the same people that make the other Ghibli films, but it wasn't, you know, a studio Ghibli film, and now we just don't even know if we're ever gonna get a release of it. But yeah. I'm surprised Jason hasn't been, I guess, quote unquote, collecting You know, I was trying to think of what I may have been. I haven't. Because, I mean, you just, I mean, Nintendo told you to buy. Even then, you don't even get, like, every major Nintendo. No, I don't. You've kind of fallen off of that. Well, I I never, I I never bought every. To be fair, I never bought every major Nintendo release. But, you know, it. Really? Every? I never did. Even on the Wii? Really? On the Wii? Do you own so many? No. Do you own Fling Smash? No, I don't. See? Is that from Nintendo? Yeah. Hi. All right. I'm surprised. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't. And I don't own. Wii, I don't own Wii Fit. I don't own Wii Fit Plus. Um, I don't own. I you know, a lot of the I ports on you don't Switch. I actually am too. I don't own a lot of the Switch ports that Nintendo did from the Wii U. Although I am getting 3D World in a week, but no, I was thinking about what have I been collecting lately? Like the closest I came to collecting collecting was Amiibo, and even then it was kind of selective. Um, to be fair, I am buying an amiibo this year for the first time in a long time. I couldn't say no to the Banjo Kazooie amiibo. I don't know why. I just was like, I saw it was available, and I'm like, all right, I'm pre-ordering it. So I have that. Um, and and you know, there's some stuff I like half collect. So I have like a bunch of Nintendo art books that Dark Horse has put out. Um, but I don't have. Mm-hmm. I think I have all the Zelda ones. I have the Mario Encyclopedia, the Splatoon art, the Fire Emblem art, both of them. Um, but I think I'm missing a Zelda one, and even that, like, I'm starting to. I don't have every single one of. Uh, I do have a pretty good extensive collection of Nintendo powers from like January 1999 through the end of publication. So there's that because I subscribed the whole time. Uh, and I was missing one issue that got lost in the mail, but thanks to you, Angel, and a few years ago, you managed to find it for me. Um, but I, I was thinking, what have I been collecting in, in, in the pandemic, like in quarantine? And there really isn't much. And I realize it's not the same sense of collecting as you guys, but the idea of like needing to like complete the thing. I've gone down the rabbit hole of HomeKit, like for iPhone. Like I, you know, got one thing. I'm like, oh well, if that does that, now I need this to augment that, and it just kept like going. Like you know, got an Apple TV, got a TV that supports HomeKit directly, so I could turn off the TV with Siri. I could turn it off with my phone, and it's like, okay, well, if I did that, do I want a smart speaker upstairs so I could just shout and maybe it will hear it from the living room? Huh? So then, got and I was like, oh, but if I get a smart speaker, that could also be my doorbell. Should I get a camera? Like, instead of a ring, should I get, like, the HomeKit-enabled version of a front doorbell cam? Because I'm home all day, but I'm in the, the apartment's two <laughs> stories. You sound like but... things that can improve your life in some way. We're talking about things that don't really do that. No, I know, but, I the, like, but <laughs> I mean, like, just, like, kind of the, like, the, like, you sort of fall down the rabbit yeah. hole. Like, oh, yeah, definitely. One leads to another, leads to another. So now it's, like, I have this setup where, and it's honestly pretty cool, ecosystem lock-in's pretty great if you accept it, where uh, we have a doorbell with a video camera, 
if someone rings the bell, it chimes our HomePod Mini up in my office on the second floor, little, little mini townhouse apartment thing I have. And then it also will show up on my watch, show up on the phone, show up on the TV, show up on my laptop with a live feed of who's at the door. And if you're watching TV, it will slide in from the side and you can use the TV's remote to talk to the person or you can use your watch to talk to the person or you can use the phone to talk to the person all through the notification. And it's just like these things that like I don't need that. Literally, our living room has the door right there. I could turn around and look out the window and the person's right there if i'm watching tv but it's just like having it all and being like oh well now i need this and now it's like well do we get smart lights do we get like a thermostat which thermostat like it's all cascading i think i think i've pumped the brakes a bit but once you start like going into this like the idea of like getting smarter and smarter and like kind of building out your arsenal of options and collecting all the different components of what makes a smart home gets kind of addicting a little so that's that's probably the closest mm. I've come. I just discovered the other day. I didn't know. Like I knew on my phone's control center I could turn off the TV because there's a button for the TV. And I could also change the input. And it even says like Nintendo Switch as the input title and stuff, which is cool, like on the phone. But I also didn't realize I could do that by voice. So like just the other day I realized if I just say, you know, like, hey, Siri, turn off uh, living room TV, it just turn, it says, okay, and it just turns off. So like if I'm like packing up Ring Fit after doing the daily exercise I'm now doing, like I'll say it while I'm like playing away the Ring Con. It just like does it. And it's, it's so minor, but now I'm just like, oh, well, if I can do that, what else can I do? So that's probably the closest I've had to the like mindset you're describing. Obviously it's, and, and to your point, you're saying, you know, these sound useful on like what you're collecting. I would say it's not hard for me to go press the button on the remote. And it's not hard for me to go look out the window when someone knocks on the door. And it's certainly not hard for me to, you know, like talk through the door to someone, but having all this, it just like, it just keeps going and going and sort of snowballing. So that's the closest I come to collecting. Like it's the same sort yeah, of mindset. And I, do, I feel like, and I do, and I do kind of take back the whole like useful to your life because you know what? Like we collect these things that we like, and they do bring like joy, some, like a like yeah, they do bring joy and happiness to our lives. And I don't know. And the way I do think, I mean, whatever makes you happy. Whatever I, makes I you will important. say, I, I definitely go oh, ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say that like I definitely like of all the stuff that I love, like there are like different pillars to. Like the things like Angel loves, like Ninja Turtles, obviously a really big, strong one. Obviously, like Godzilla and Transformers, also big ones. But like, I feel like Ghibli was definitely underrepresented in my collection. And only now, like through these movies, I feel like I'm doing up justice just to like, oh man, I really love these. I want to just to appear really nice because you know. Besides that, I had like nothing. Like actually, it was only until my trip to the most recent trip to Japan that I was able to get a little no face from spirited away like a little bell keychain that i have attached to one of my backpacks very recently during black friday i got myself a totoro fleece blanket that's really awesome and a little no no face piggy bank and i think that's pretty good i think i'm good with that for now i uh i I mean i don't want to gloss over the fact that i knew what you meant but the way you phrased it like you're like you said something like i like ninja turtles like a really big strong one is what you just said. You meant like that's a strong interest. It's a really like, strong like, pillar. Yeah. Yeah. No, but you're just like, yeah, it's, I like that really strong ninja turtle, like a big strong turtle. But, uh, no, it's not a big strong turtle. Those bay <laughs> ones were not the best design in my opinion, even though my brother and I still collected each of the highly detailed, highly detailed one six. No, we have one six scale figures, but you know, we, we know a lot of work got put into those. Mm-hmm. We can appreciate the detail. We just prefer the, the style, the Muppet yeah. ones. The, the Jim Henson ones. The uh, the thing I was going to say uh, before you said your thing was just that, like, to be fair, your guys' collecting of DVDs and Blu-rays and that sort of thing is a lot more reasonably priced than turning your home into a smart home. 
like like a HomePod's like a hundred bucks, an Apple TV's like a hundred sixty. Like the doorbell was, I don't even remember how much. Like you guys are doing the the more reasonable. Have collecting. you got any smart blinds? What? The smart have you blinds? Got the smart we have, blinds? Uh, we have not. <laughs> the so that's the thing we haven't done yet. So that's what's funny. So I that actually from... sounds pretty cool and practical. I actually Where... like the idea of smart blinds because they're annoying to like. Depending if you have the ones with the string that you have to pull to the side, yeah, like yeah. Well, what, what's super annoying about, about our place is, um, the, so we have curtains downstairs in the living room and the, the way the, the apartment's set up is it's a three unit apartment and ours faces kind of the walkway between the two. So like you come up and you either go to the first one, you come to ours the second or you walk to the back. So we're kind of like secluded off the street, but I don't necessarily want to have the window constantly open because you see directly into the living room. There's the big TV right there, the switch, like all the like electronics, like right in the window. So every day for a couple hours, I make sure I open the curtains for the kittens that live in the apartment so they get some nice light, but then I have to go close them. So a smart blind actually isn't a bad idea. And see, I would never consider this, but I'm so in on the ecosystem now that I'm like, huh, if I could save the 10 seconds of opening a curtain, man, that's worth <laughs> $500. Like, I don't know. Like it's, it's ridiculous, but, um, yeah, we don't have smart curtains. Uh, we don't have smart lights. We just have all the Apple, like, TV. Oh, pod. just wait. Just wait until you oh, get here's what's funny. Philips Hue lights. Here's what's it's going to change your life. Here's what's funny. I have where I, when I lived with my parents, I'm sitting in that house right now recording. There are Hue lights in the room I'm in. There's a Nest thermostat and a Nest smoke detector. There's a remote garage door opener with my Q from Chamberlain or whoever. There's like a lot of, like if I open the HomeKit thing on my phone here, there's like seven different buttons to press. We have multiple rooms with Hue. For some reason, everything I've set up at the apartment is like the opposite stuff like we don't have a smart thermostat we don't have smart lights we well we don't have a garage door but uh like we it's it's weird we don't smoke smart smoke detectors it's weird how like different i did but what's nice about the apartment is and i think this is where the kind of collector's mentality comes in is it's all interconnected so here we have home kit or we have the, the hue lights which play nice with home kit and with like alexa i have an alexa echo dot sitting right over there or well i guess it's my parents now sitting right over there that can control the same lights the nest can play with the alexa but can't play nice with the phone unless you use the app the my chamberlain or the my q chamberlain thing can work with the phone but i don't think it works with alexa like we have all these disjointed pieces that are all kind of independent and need individual Oof, apps but having the cohesion is where it's really at so we'll see if i build out from from what i have now at the apartment but it's yeah it's that cohesion is what really makes the difference it's it's very much the different spines versus the same art style on the cover issue that angel's describing but with electronics mm. so cool 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 yeah and uh i think that'll do it for this episode unless anybody has anything else um uh, no no not that i could think of pretty much it i'm just questioning how much money i've put into HomeKit now and, and wondering if i've made a grave mistake <laughs> uh, get, get back to us on that number because yeah, it's, it's, because it's, these philip hughes are already like 100 bucks. oh i know yeah that's the only I reason i haven't room. done the hughes yet is like and then also you have to like kind of condition really the idea of like don't use the light switch use the hue in your phone which takes you know i don't know how well that's gonna go over <laughs> so so when the apple oh, home I comes bought, out that doesn't actual, have like switches oh you did yeah like so what we did yeah. at my parents house is this room i'm in now we just never touch that light switch but there's an alexa right here it's like we could just walk in as we're walking in just say Charm no i i bought i bought a philips hue switch yeah yeah i have two of them i have one right next to my bed and one right well, next so to the door why do you find that for my uh, room better than just like telling your phone or your watch or i don't know if you have an apple watch. you do have an apple watch why you because i wake super early for work and the last thing that i want to see is my bright phone screen fair so i just reach over touch the 
the on. And that's it. That's fair. Plus it's wireless, so I could just mm. remove it from the wall whenever I want to. I, uh, yeah, I, the first thing I look at when I wake up, regardless of how dark or bright out is my phone. And the first, and the last thing I look yeah. at is my phone. I blind myself with my phone all the time. That's why I switched to dark mode. Anyway, sorry. You're wrapping up. Uh, all right. Well, let us know what you thought about this episode, either in the comments of the blog post or on our Twitter at Random Nintendo. You're probably listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio. I feel like I'm missing one. I don't but think so. You're probably our. I think you got mom. You, you know, you know who you are, and you know where you are. Yep, exactly. Uh, we are RandomNintendo.com on YouTube individually. Jason is at JSR7. Angel is at Wero underscore O. W-E-I-R-O underscore O. I am KVN Gomi. And that'll do it. Next week we will have a brand new Ren Nintendo, which, what are we talking about that episode? Oh, is that, it's going to oh, be that's financials, isn't No, it? it's not just financials. It's also Bowser's Fury. So it's Bowser's Fury impressions. It's financials. It's... We'll see what Nintendo does this week. There's some other stuff I'm forgetting that's probably going to come up. Oh, st- uh, possibly in relation to Nintendo doing so well, Stadia shutting down, kind of. So, like the pole, the opposite hmm. side of the same coin of uh, first-party software. So, yeah. hmm. Well, we'll see. Uh, we shall see. Spoiler alert, Nintendo did super very, well. Very well. Yeah. Uh, but the, 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 the real really the real surprised. biggie is I'm going to have uh, Bowser's Fury completed by the time we record, so... At, at nothing else, right. Bowser Fury impressions. Cool. Uh, that'll do it. Jason, take us out. Uh, I hope everyone listening had a wonderful Super Bowl Sunday full of snacks, friendship, and hopefully social distancing. Okay.